Hello, everybody. Welcome to Horror Movie Yearbook. Yes. I'm Tim. I'm Willie. Willie, we're going to get into uh, Videodrome here in a minute. I forgot a little bit about this movie. Ah, uh, yes. I forgot quite a bit as well. <laughs> quite, um, quite the experience, isn't it? It is quite the experience. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, it's, uh, uh, it's a journey. Uh, please tell me what it's like to watch Videodrome with a child in the house. <laughs> Uh, I watched it on a day when she was not in the house. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was on purpose, certainly. I, yeah, I cannot imagine a child wandering into the room and seeing James Woods have sex with a television. <laughs> it, it, it it would be a bit much, I think. Um, yeah. Would, yeah. Well, well, but, you got to learn uh, sometime. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know if I wanted to learn through James Woods, though. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the, birds, the birds and the bees taught by James Woods. James Woods, yeah. Um, yeah, no uh, no feedback this week. Uh, please send us feedback if you want to. Um, HorrorMovieYearbook horror oh. at gmail.com, at HMYearbook on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, we did have somebody like a tweet uh, f- that... Uh, <laughs> From our fear episode in 2018, <laughs> so I want to say thank I you. Love, I'm glad you brought this up because I love when someone likes something from like four or five years ago. It makes me I, so happy. <laughs> so thank you to that Twitter user for 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 liking that, for listening to our fear what's episode. A, what's amazing to me is like that they were able to find that tweet from four years ago, and I assume they did it by searching like the fear hashtag or whatever I did, or typing in fear. So that's how little people have tweeted about fear in the right? past four years because this person was either that or that's how much this person scrolled yeah. through all of the fear. And either one is is one of those is acceptable. <laughs> Scrolling around to look for fear tweets is totally acceptable. Um, not <laughs> tweeting about fear for this long is unacceptable. Um, the only other email or that we had an email um, that was some sort of spam email and it says, is it true that Sebastian Stan passed away? Excuse <laughs> me. Oh, 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 Yeah. Oh, man. So uh, it, uh, is it is not true. It is not true. I have not checked today. Like, no. as of this recording, it is not true. As far as I know, he's okay. I just so. watched him in that Hulu movie called Fresh that I like quite a bit. Ah, yes, Fresh. Fresh. Um, I, yeah, I had fun with that, so. Delightful. Yeah. Um, oh, and real quick, I had a meltdown on that Tiny Terror last time about how little I've uh, rated podcasts in the past. Mm. Um, so I went home immediately, I swear, and I started rating all the podcasts That's I like. That's and excellent. then I found out I've rated some of these in the past because it like didn't told me like you've rated this. So or, you're beating yourself up too much. I'm, uh, yeah. So so there you go. Don't think uh, don't think too too poorly of me. Yeah, <laughs> or, I didn't. Cool. <laughs> or too, but I just wanted to clear that up. That's good. I'm glad and you I, cleared the air on that one. I want to tell people that the uh, game nerds. Have recorded an episode. Speaking of podcasts we like. Yes, the Midwest yeah. Game Nerds. I mean, they're talking fantasy, Final Fantasy VII, I believe that would be seven V11 Rebirth. They're talking about Redfall. They're talking about that Resident Evil 4 remake. Ah. And The Last of Us, part one. At the uh, yeah, there's like a, like a remaster of that. Yeah. Oh, and Alex is talking a little bit of Shredder's Revenge, which Willie and I... It comes with our stamp of approval. The oh, new yes. Ninja Turtles game. A delightful game. Yeah. Absolutely delightful. Um, pure joy playing through that one. Yep. I'll play through it many more times. Yeah, it is one that I'll play over and over with each character. Yeah. And, yeah. And, There's like seven characters. Yeah, because you can play as April. April, Splinter, and then once you beat the game, there's another character. Ah, uh, okay. I won't tell you. There, I, I think I've, I think I've, from what I've heard, I've got some Archie Comics characters coming up too. Oh, um, is that true or no? Yes. Okay. Or is it like one of not those playable, where, but like from the, the RG game. comics? Yes. Okay. Yes. That, that's my that's my go. That's your that's bread and favorite. butter. You'll recognize a couple. 
couple of those couple of those folks, I think. Um, but yeah, no, it's a uh, man, fun game, lots of fun. Willie, we're not here to discuss Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles. No, we are not. We're here to discuss another '80s uh, property, though. Indeed. Um, <laughs> do you think the turtles have seen Video Drum? Video Drum. Uh, yeah. Which which turtle do you think is most likely to have seen Video Drum? Donnie. Ah, uh, that's a good call. Donnie feels like the one who's who's a Cronenberg fan. Do you think Raph maybe went and checked it out? At, remember when he saw Critters? Who comes up with this? Why do they come up with this stuff? <laughs> what do you think? Um, what do you think his review of if he saw Videodrome in a theater in 1983? Raph? Why do they come up with this stuff? <laughs> Raph is uh, Raph likes Die Hard. Like <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a Raph movie. He does not like to be challenged no, in any sort of way. When he it wants comes to, to watch people kick ass, yeah. And uh, Raph not would that be Die Hard's not a smart movie. But no, 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 for sure. No, but Raph would like They Live out of this type of movie. He yeah. would be into that, I think. Because he'd like Roddy Roddy Piper. You th- so you think if, given the choice, Raph's favorite Cronenberg movie, you think it'd be Eastern Promises? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Or History of Violence, maybe. History of Violence, maybe a little bit yeah. too. He'd like those. More than he would like, you know, the other stuff. But More than he would like... Donnie through- would dig the... Donnie would dig all the, the... Like the fly and all that stuff, I all think. All the heady scientists. Yeah. Stuff. Although yeah. it might make him all nervous. The fly might be a problem because of the whole Baxter Stockman thing. I didn't even now was Baxter Stockman. No, he would have been before. No, it was a that was a. But like that would have been the original fly. It that would have been based on the original. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Where he's actually like a fly guy, rock walking. <laughs> yeah, but that's totally a reference to that. He got Baxter Stockman got very fly in those Mirage comics in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very interesting. There's some freaky Baxter Stockman stories from the the various media for sure. Yeah. All right. We're really not talking about Ninja Turtles, I swear. Do we do we do a time machine for these since it's the summer of 80s Cronenberg? I think we did, right? Yeah, we can just do it. Give me a video drone. Time oh. <laughs> if you can't tell, that's it's very squishy. Slurping. It's very that squishy. That was like slushing sounds. I was going to do that or some sort of moan, but I felt <laughs> uncomfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, Raphael sitting in the theater. What's Debbie Harry doing in this? Um... <laughs> I love your music. Is that the chick from Blondie? <laughs> so, we are talking about Video Draw, a programmer at a TV station that TV station that specializes in adult entertainment, searches for the producers of a dangerous and bizarre broadcast. Written and directed by David Cronenberg, starring James Woods and Debbie Harry and Sonia Smits, as well as Peter Dvorsky and a whole cast of others. A whole cast of of thespians. You got a favorite performance in this? Oh, man. I'm going to be honest. I really like James Woods in this movie. No, he's very good. Yeah. James yeah, Woods very good. And you know what? Debbie Harry's really good in this movie, too. Yeah, she's good, we'll too. We'll talk a little bit about it. Yeah, James Woods is probably the standout. I mean, he's the standout. He's the lead. He's, and he's he's good in the role. Kind of an interesting role for James Woods. Uh, you know, I don't remember James Woods doing a lot of genre work. I mean, John Carpenter's Vampires, obviously, is the other one I can think of. But it's that's certainly more of James Woods kind of... Right in his wheelhouse, I feel like yeah. this is very not. This is not what you would I would expect from this actor. Um, he talked about in interviews like how weird he thought this whole movie was, and how weird he thought Cronenberg was. He thought Cronenberg was just like a madman. Yeah, <laughs> yes. he is. Yeah, he kind of is. Yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just. I was looking through his what he's known for, and of course, uh, Hercules pops up. James Woods. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then Amy, uh, apparently there's a Family Guy song about James Woods. James played. Woods, okay. She played it for me, so there you go. Yeah. No, I mean, I anything I've seen him in, I've generally enjoyed his performances. Um, you know, you he know. was in Cat's Eye. Is that Cat's Eye the... Uh, that's right. He is yeah. in the Quitters, Inc. segment. Yep. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's, a, that's a fun segment. I was just looking for... Uh, so he's done a few a few things. Not a lot, though. I'm looking at his work, looking uh, yeah. for genre stuff. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, when you think about James Woods, you think of James Woods in the last like couple decades oh, or so. Yeah. He's yeah, maybe not the most likable person all the time. Um, but uh, you know, I I still think he's a solid actor. So, so you want to just jump into the plot of this bad boy? You want to give your general thoughts on it before we start? Like, because uh, when was the last time you watched? I haven't sat down to watch this movie in a long, long time because it's a movie that I don't feel the need to revisit. And as no. I watch it, I like it. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's a terrific movie. I think yeah. it's very smart. Mm-hmm. But it's also a movie that I'm not like, hey, I'm gonna kick back, have a beer, watch a little video drone tonight. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's not that kind of movie. Um, no, I mean it's been years for me. Uh, some point in my twenties was probably the last time I saw it. Maybe a decade ago. Let me be honest, your 20s is a good time to watch yeah. this, like mm-hmm. college age, yeah. I would agree. Um, and I discovered it kind of in one of my kind of like discovery, you know, like, all right, I, you know, I haven't seen enough Cronenberg, you know, like I've seen the basic, you know, the, the kind of the more well-known ones. And I think I watched this and The Brood at the time and maybe one or two other ones. And uh, yeah, I always thought this was cool. It's, it's funny because it's in a lot of ways, much like Scanners, which we've already talked about, um, it's almost more of a sci-fi film in a lot of ways than a horror film. I mean, it's certainly there's no question that there are there are horror elements in this even more so than than in Scanners, I think. But it's very it it does feel a lot like Scanners in the sense that it's more of a it's more of a sci-fi like tech thriller like techno thriller than it is a straight horror movie. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh. I think it's insane. I think it's also really, really smart. Um, I think there are moments in it that feel like impenetrable in terms of like, what am I watching? That third like, act. What does is, this mean? The third act is like just a fever dream. <laughs> it is nuts. Um, but it's also kind of awesome. Yeah. And it's it's one of those. The thing about video drama that I think is so is so cool is it's not often in in cinema and I think it's becoming less uh less common where I watch a movie and I say this this story and and the the themes and the characters and everything that builds this story could only be properly told in the form of cinema in mm-hmm. the form of film and I think video dream is video drum is one of those movies like like scanners. I'm mean, once again I'm gonna mention scanners. Scanners I think could work as like a comic book or a TV show or like Videodrome is a film. Right. It, like it works as I think it just it it works as a movie and that's the way that this story was supposed to be told. And I think when movies can do that, I think they they kind of carve a space for themselves in that like kind of echelon of memorable or classic films. So I think Videodrome deserves that spot. There's a reason why it's in the Criterion Collection. Yeah. Right, and I know it's a lot of people probably don't could care less, but I think that there is a reason for for why Videodrome is part of that collection because I think it's it is a 
in a lot of ways, it is kind of a landmark, um, even if it's not necessarily considered a classic by everybody. And it does get overshadowed by some of Cronenberg's other works. I do think it is kind of a classic, and it and it's got, it's just it's a cool piece of cinema. It really is, and uh, not my favorite of his movies. Um, certainly, as you said, not one that I will be rewatching a lot. Uh, I don't rewatch Cronenberg a lot anyway. <laughs> no. um, the only like the rewatchable one for me has always been The Fly. The Fly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, I would agree. That's the one that I think I would go back to certainly the most. But um, but. I, I, if you have not seen it, you, I think you should. Um, it's not for the faint of heart, but if you're listening to us, you've probably already gotten past that. So, yeah, it's worth checking out. Yeah, one thing I wanted to build on that you touched on um, was I was I went through the Fangoria article that came out around this time, and once again, if anybody's interested, that yeah, they've put up the first 80s issues of Fangoria up on the website for free. So check it out. You, I mean, there's scans and stuff, and you have to do a little bit of, but it's cool that they've done that. Um, but they are talking about it and they mention like they talk to someone from universal and they mentioned, like you said, you can tell they don't really know how to sell this movie. No. And I don't think this movie did great. I don't. Yeah. And this was kind of a rough back to back couple of years for, cause this came right after a year after the thing, which was another universal picture that did not do well. And there are some similarities between the two movies. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and this was now one thing too, I want to mention about that. And we'll talk about when we get into the fly um, is like, there was a hatred for horror movies going on at this point in time, it, critically. Yeah, because this would have been around the slasher. That Absolutely. Slasher it was yep. all stemming from, and in some ways, understandably, from the boon of, and the boom of the slasher genre post Friday the 13th. And they were just getting gorier and nastier. And, and, and Videodrome is, can be gory and nasty at times, but, um, that's not the the type of movie Videodrome is. Unfortunately, a lot of these movies got lumped in with that. Right. And a lot of movies like you mentioned The Thing and even Cronenberg's Fly. And I, oh, I also think of the remake of The Blob um, as well. Three movies that were remade from kind of classic black and white uh, horror pictures. And got the remakes got critically kind of lambasted because it was like, oh, they're just buying into this 80s schlock right. gory you know i don't know but i think this movie sometimes would get like gets kind of lumped in with those or critically it did at the time certainly well and i think the other thing too is we're in the we're starting to get into like capital letters the 80s like the reagan years what everybody thinks of like like part of the reason the thing bombed was because of et and how much people loved et and they did not want to see a killer alien they wanted to see et <laughs> People didn't necessarily, people weren't looking for stuff like The Thing and Videodrome going into this decade as we get further into it. They're looking for stuff like Back to the Future. They're looking for that prime Spielberg stuff. Yeah, from they want to celebrate the they want to celebrate the fun and the excess of the eighties. Yes. They don't want to be told anything. You know, they <laughs> no, they they want to do cocaine and watch video like the actual video drum <laughs> or, yeah. or participate in what's going on in video drum. They don't want to be told that this could be an issue. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. It'd be a while before that, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be a while before that came back around. But yeah, we are getting we are getting into those yeah those years that are kind of pointed to that i think everybody remembers in their head as like the 80s it's so funny that like every decade when you say the 80s or the 70s the 80s the 90s really that's like a five-year period 
in the middle of that decade. Because I think of the 90s as like 91, 92 to like 96. And then, and then it becomes the, like the 2000s, the, basically. Yep, late 90s into like mid-2000s are the 2000s. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the first year or two of a decade are just these weird transitional periods where it has no real full, firm identity. Yes. And then it establishes an identity and then it becomes yeah blends yeah for sure. I, yeah i feel like we're in that now in like 2022 like and then in a year or two we're gonna get into the 20s we're gonna know what this is <laughs> yes yeah. well yeah. the metaverse seems like the logical choice what's that the metaverse yeah <laughs> i'm not up to date on the metaverse so. i saw a commercial for the metaverse oh, the other you? day oh my uh, well i mean I, can, can you imagine a video drone in the metaverse? <laughs> you know that i mean someone's gonna build it yeah i do we have metaverse uh, metaverse like porn yeah I don't know. I would assume there's probably VR. Well, that's like porn, the first right? thing that happens with all of these. New Anytime there's a new media form it's of media porn. or a form of whatever, there's somebody makes a porno, right? Yeah, yeah. And well, I'm not trying to be crass. The, it's just isn't that the reason a lot of people pointed to VHS kind of winning? Yes. Was it that? Yeah. Is because porn was <laughs> yeah it was available available on VHS. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder. Is that why Blu-ray beat HD DVD? <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. I don't know. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I assume five, time those got in. Yeah, it was more computer than anything. Yeah, we've been tied. Well, no, it ties into video drama. It does. So let's uh, let's bounce through the plot of this bad boy. Mm-hmm. I will stop. As uh, I'll stop after every few sentences. Sure, we'll talk about some things because yeah, there's got, some stuff. There's stuff to talk about. There's stuff. Max Wren. He's what a sick name. Cronenberg's got cool names, especially in this movie. Uh, is the president of Civic TV, a Toronto UHF television station, which I believe is based on City TV in Toronto, um, okay. which I think broadcasts like a lot of Second City stuff. And, oh, yeah, uh, I think, but um, that's a Canadian TV station mm-hmm. specializing in sensationalist programming. Harlan, the operator of Civic TV's unauthorized satellite dish, shows Max Videodrome, a plotless show apparently being broadcast from Malaysia, which depicts anonymous victims being violently tortured and eventually murdered. Believing this to be the future of television, Max orders Harlan to begin unlicensed use of the show. Let's stop right here. <laughs> a couple of so was this the uh, Kerber gets a lot of credit for being a futurist in even in some ways and like being able to see the future. Even he says like that's BS. Like he was just commenting on stuff mm-hmm. that he saw then. Yeah. But was this the future of television? These uh, I mean, okay, so uh, not he's not entirely wrong, right? Um, and but I mean, obviously not to okay. There's two ways to look at this in terms of looking at it as the future of television, right? We had obviously had televised war with Vietnam. That was the first kind of televised yes. war. Um, but we were going to get a lot more of that. As we got into the 90s and beyond, mm-hmm. um, a lot more of that. We get 24-hour news networks. 24-hour yeah. news networks, which is basically just a barrage of bad news and violence. Yeah. A, a lot. Bleeds it leads is the old if saying. It bleeds it leads. Yep. So that there's truth to that. The other thing that there's truth to is if you look at where entertainment went about a – it took a while to get there. But I'm thinking of like reality TV, stuff like um, – jackass and things like that which i love i'm right. not disparaging jackass but like obviously this is not people being murdered on t uh, you know actual like snuff films but like this is people got into watching people get hurt and do stupid shit for real on tv right like that kind of became a thing um a lot of those like early uh reality competition shows of like uh you know people getting blasted with things and knocked off of things i even think of like wipeout and stuff so like i mean it's not not to the degree, perhaps, that Videodrome takes it, but like, no, I don't think he's wrong. 
Well, then you've got stuff. I mean, you've got the like the internet and stuff. You can search out stuff so on that's, certain parts of the internet that you can find, and that was kind of a. I mean, it still is a thing. And sure, it's caught in these dark corners of the a- internet. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. I always hear about the. Is it the dark web? The dark web. Yeah, I I, I don't know what it is. I don't Not know how to access it. Yeah, I don't want to know. But people do, and there's like crazy. I mean, well, look well, at like, was, look at some of the the viral video, like some of the viral videos. Not like the fun, goofy viral videos, but some of the stuff like, um, I mean. It, it, I mean, yeah, looking at it from a darker angle, like I remember a time in high school, this probably would have been 2002 or so, when there was video released of a um, a journalist, American journalist, being killed by, right. and like it like spread around the school. It almost became, in some ways, yeah, it could become like a dare. To like watch you, it, to dare you to watch uh, it, and it's kind of, and it's it, it's it which is sick. It, it's sick, but it's also it's also a very human thing. Oh like, yeah, especially from a, as a kid, yes. you know, like you don't so stuff like that. It's, or it's you want to see a dead body, right? It's so, that yeah. classic. And then or uh, another example, a good example is the uh, almost the dare and the challenge of hey, you ever seen two girls one cup? Mm-hmm. So there is an element of that that you know obviously Cronenberg was working it in during the time of. Uh, you know, uh, tube TVs and VHS tapes and stuff like that. We had gotten well past that by the time we hit this point. Yeah. But we had a tool that was even more easy to access, like that was even easier to access than it was the internet. So, I mean, it's funny that he he denies being a futurist, and I think most people that are labeled futurists would deny that. Carpenter has always they've always thrown that kind of claim at it, like he yeah predicted certain things, and he's kind of batted it off. Just been like yeah, you know, and I don't blame him. I don't. I think I probably would if I had somebody say that about me. But I do think there are certain artistic minds that are a step ahead of kind of they're just so observant about where we're at and where we're headed that I think they not accidentally, but like unconsciously subconsciously like go there right you know so they're not saying they're gonna they're not gonna take credit for it like oh yeah i knew this was gonna happen but they kind of did right yeah so uh the gro- uh, the the sickest thing though in this movie actually occurs around this time though and i have to ask does he dip his pizza crust with sauce on it in his coffee yes and eat it <laughs> now have you ever done this Dip pizza crust in. Um, okay, have so you I've ever been, dipped anything in coffee? Are you a coffee? I mean, I've dipped donuts in coffee. I've never even done that. You know what I've done before? I have dipped mm. uh, peanut butter. I've di- dipped a spoon of peanut butter in coffee. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why, because it didn't really do much. <laughs> <laughs> I have not dipped anything in coffee, so I have a weird thing where um, I, if I am drinking coffee, yeah, or alcohol, I don't like, like to eat while I do it. Ah, even so, coffee. See, I can. Yeah, I can. I can have like a sweet, like a sweet breakfast with coffee. Really, but I okay. don't like to have a savory breakfast with coffee. See, like I I'm think, not going to eat my eggs with coffee. It's gross to me. Oh, okay. That. Oh, yeah. But like, I will. Like, I love like a spoonful of peanut butter and then a drink of coffee. Like for whatever reason, the that sweetness I can handle really good to me. Um, like, like a donut, I can eat with a coffee. Donut, with, with, bagels. Um, a bagel, I can't do with coffee. Okay. Interesting. But Maybe you like would, French toast I could probably have with coffee. I want something sweet with with coffee. It's a balancing act. Gotcha. I just, just and, and I'm the same way with like if I have a beer. Yeah. I don't like to eat and drink yeah. at the same time. I just don't like doing that. Yeah. It has to be like a chips or some sort of like Maybe a snack. snack. Yeah. Sure. I can handle that. But now, yeah. what's the oldest pizza you've ever eaten? Because that pizza's been on the counter oh, for a long time. Oh, man. See, I, yeah. I've eaten... I've eaten some pizza on a counter that I should not have touched, like super hungover, and I—that's kind of how James Woods is in this scene. Yeah, yeah. 
I know I've eaten for sure day-old pizza that was sitting out on the counter for sure. Like it, <laughs> like like on there, like like the next day. I I don't think I've ever eaten any pizza beyond having sat out. Now I've eaten pizza in the fridge that was like, like for sure. ten days old. Yeah, like I, it was not good. I wouldn't do the pizza on the counter thing now as an like a like. As I'm older, I that no. was like a thing like I did when I was younger, and I went, I can do this. No, I even if I get to a party late, yeah, and like there's been like a spread out, and the stuff's been sitting, and I know this party started at let's say noon, and now it's like four or five. I ain't touching it. No, 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 too no, long no. for yep. me. Yeah, especially if, yeah, if they've got the dip out. Yeah, mm-hmm. nah, mm-hmm. Uh-uh. been out in the sun all day. Uh-uh. No way, Jose. <laughs> Nikki Brand, a sadomasochistic radio host, my favorite type of radio host. Uh, yeah, always my favorite. <laughs> who becomes sexually involved with Max is aroused by an episode of Videodrome and goes to audition for the show when she learns that it is being broadcast out of Pittsburgh, but never returns. Pittsburgh, I chuckle that because it always, of course, Pittsburgh always reminds me of Romero. Uh, always, so, yes. every time. Yep. And well, Sabini, but um. Max contacts, is it Masha or Masha? Uh, is Masha. It, I think we'll it's Masha. Masha. Yeah. A softcore pornographer and asks her to help him find out the truth about Videodrome. Through Masha, Max learns that not only is the footage not faked, but it is the public face of a political movement. Masha further informs him that the enigmatic media theorist Brian Oblivion, yeah. great name, knows about Videodrome. Uh, real quick, I want to talk about Debbie Harry here. She has actually done... Quite a few movies. Quite a few movies yep. and quite a few... Um, I'm pulling it up right here. She has done quite a few genre movies that I was not aware of. Um, I hit the link here. But I know she's done... Um, she was in Body Bags. Okay. She was in... What else was she in? I'm going to bring this up. But now, do you have... Are you a Blondie fan? Are you a fan of Blondie? Um, the musical group Blondie? Yeah. I mean... I wouldn't call myself a fan. No, I'm not like a. F- I don't like. They're not on my list of bands I listen to. But like, if a certain Blondie song comes on, I might. You know, I'm not going to turn it off. How about that? Do you have a, Do you have a favorite that comes to mind? I'll tell you, mine is probably Heart of Glass. You, you're a Heart of Glass fan. Yeah. I'm weirdly. I'm not like. I think Rapture is one of their big hits. I'm not a big fan of Rapture. I like the. <laughs> I like the Tide is High. You but, like uh, Rapture. You I just like, like, uh, like Soldier Boy. Like the Soldier Boy version. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think Rapture is goofy fun, yeah. but uh, I like the Titus. The Titus High. Yeah. And then good. they had a song in the 90s that I forgot about, and then I listened to it um, after uh, searching for Blondie songs, and it was called Maria. And it was okay. in the late 90s. It was like a number one hit. They came back, and it goes, Maria, you've got to see her. I really liked that I think song. I kind of, I might know that song. Uh, she was also in Tales from the Dark Side. She was in Hairspray, the John Waters version, I believe. Okay. And uh, she was also in, what's, oh, she was in Pete and Pete. She was in a movie called, okay, this is not a genre movie, but she was in a movie called Satisfaction. Satisfaction was with Justine Bateman. Okay. Justine Bateman was like, and I would have been very young when I saw this, but I like you always think about who your first crush is, and I go all the way back. I had a crush as a very young man on a very young boy on Justine Bateman. I love oh, Justine Bateman. Okay, so That's this cool. also had Liam Neeson in it. It's like an all girl band. It's about an all girl band. Sick. Yeah, it's it's ne- is sweet. Neeson a member of the all girl band? <laughs> <laughs> He's gotta be the band manager. Or this something. was a uh, yeah. I I kind of want to watch this movie again now. But uh, there you go. Do you have a favorite female led rock band? That you oh, I'm putting you on the spot today. 
Because I was thinking about this too, <sighs> and I don't listen to a ton. And it's probably it's just because I'm a misogynist, probably. But like, <laughs> you do like I think it's human nature to identify more with. Like, oh sure, yeah. sure, sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So from like kind of from that era, I've got two that I think of that I really enjoy. The first one is Roxette. Big Roxette. Roxette fan. is good. Yep. Yeah, they have some hits that I'm I'm a fan of, and then uh, probably my favorite is Berlin. Okay. Berlin rules. Okay. I mean, like, they're really sweet. They're yeah. That's, like, right up my musical alley. Okay. Lots of synth. Um, killer songs. The Metro is one of the coolest songs, like, ever, all time. Yeah. You know that one? No, I'm not familiar. Riding on the Metro. I only know, like, one Berlin song, um, You know, course. Take My Breath Away. Yeah, the Top Gun song. Yeah, well, yeah which is, yeah. Um, yeah, listen to some Berlin. Okay. Listen to the, to the, go met- the Deep Cuts. The Metro okay. is awesome. And then... Um, uh, Oh God! What am I? Of course, I'm gonna blank. I'm gonna sit here and tell you I'm a Berlin fan, and then blank on their songs. I'll get. It'll come back to me. But um, say it. Say it later. I'll edit it. In the Metro right. is the Metro is what I got. Is really good. You a big stuff. Kitty guy? Like Kitty? Kitty. Uh, I've seen Kitty live. I do. Um, yeah, Brackish. <laughs> like Brackish. Uh, no more words is the is the is the other Berlin song. Okay. Check it out. Uh, Kitty. Yes, Brackish from Kitty. It's good stuff. Um, that one lady in the background, no one knows what she's saying in the background. It's so sweet. There's a documentary about Kitty. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? No, I've not. It's delightful. Yeah, you should check it out. I'll have to. Yeah, yeah. I haven't listened to Kitty in a long time. I just, yeah, they popped yeah. in my head right now. Bunch of Canucks. Are they Canucks? Yeah, it seems right. Yeah, it seems right. Yeah, they had an interesting. Yeah, the, actually, honestly, the documentary is very interesting. Is it? Yeah, no, it is because it's like. Uh, the whole like like they kind of struggled to be taken seriously for a while there. Yeah. Like, and they they were making. I mean, whether you like that kind of music or not, like they were making music that was you know, I, I don't know. it's interesting. So, Max tracks down Oblivion to a homeless shelter where vagrants are encouraged to engage in marathon sessions of television viewing. He discovers that Oblivion's daughter Bianca runs the mission, intending to help realize her father's vision in a world in which television replaces every aspect of everyday life. Later, Max views a videotape in which Oblivion informs him that Videodrome is a sociopolitical battleground in which a war is being fought to control the minds of the people of North America before being garroted by Nikki. Max then hallucinates that Nikki speaks directly to him and causes his television to undulate as he kisses the screen. Indeed. <laughs> We're going to stop right here. Um, a lot going on there. There's some. There are some similarities to the, they live here, right? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I kind of didn't. There's re- a control thing. Yeah, and kind of that that corporate control. And, the man and people kind of like yeah, creating their own mm-hmm. reality or seeing what's real in their own way. Um, <laughs> there is an argument here too, and then I think this gets kind of interesting, especially because as you talked about the time we're in in horror, he kind of grapples with Cronenberg. Kind of grapples with the question of like, is this stuff a harmless outlet for your fantasies and your frustrations? Like, is this kind of thing? Like, he's asking that question. Yeah, and I, it doesn't really give you any answer here. It's just kind of asking it, and then you've kind of got to take it as you come. Uh, yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, and I think that. <laughs> The closest you get to an answer from him in this movie is that it it it, it can be, mm-hmm. but in the wrong, if it grabs the wrong person person, it can also be, it's it can also not long, no longer be an outlet, but a 
but a, a a tool for somebody to use to right justify doing bad stuff too right so it can be it, it depends but so yeah i think i think he's battling with what it is but i think ultimately the answer is it can be both that's kind of the thing is and that's kind of the tough thing about any sort of yeah absolutely well it's yeah. music movies whatever I mean, any sort of art can be twisted and used. Absolutely. However, but does that mean art shouldn't isn't valid or shouldn't exactly, exist? No. no. Right. Um, and know. and the thing about Cronenberg is I ne- I've never gotten the sense from any of his movies that he's I don't think he's a moralizer. I think in his very own scientific way he likes to ask questions and he likes to pose questions and he likes to challenge people and then he won't necessarily give you, he just will keep asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, and I don't. He's ne- he's never. He's never pretentious yeah. about things, I don't think. Uh, he's never preachy about, like, this is how you should think about something, and I appreciate that. Right. Um, I like movies that make you think beyond what you're actually seeing on screen. I like. I think some of the best horror movies are the ones that do that. I think now they like to call them, what, elevated horror, right? Um, <laughs> what was the joke about quote from an elevated uh, horror? Is just what people who don't like, like horror, horror movies call a horror movie they like. They like, <laughs> yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> A video drum is elevated horror. I'll have you know. Yeah, no, it would fit into that. That you know, <laughs> um, but no, I I think that some of the best horror movies are ones that um, do ask you those questions and do pose those. They they put those ideas out there and those themes out there and ask you those questions, but they don't necessarily feel the need to answer them. They let you kind of do the thinking afterwards. Whether it's you sitting there and laying in bed thinking about what you just saw. Or like us sitting here having a conversation about what we saw, right? I think that that's the best possible way to do it. I think that sometimes um, some of the directors that are are great at that, I, and I think of I, you know Romero and Carpenter are, are my examples, sometimes when they do overreach with those questions they're asking and go beyond that and say, this is the answer to the question I'm posing, and I see that in some of the later Romero movies. Yeah. Um, and I see that in some of the later Carpenter movies. Um, that's when I think they lose something. Because there's no... There's no dialogue to be had afterwards. Yeah. There's no conversation between filmmaker and audience at that point. It's right. just being preached to. Yeah. And I that's not as enjoyable. It's not as interesting. So... I had this uh, I had this joke question, but it got kind of awkward because your wife and your. But I'm just gonna ask it anyway. Have you ever <laughs> tried to have sex with a television? I've never tried to have sex with a television. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I don't think it would be. You'd have to turn it off. You'd have to unplug it. Have you? Have yeah, you? Yeah. Are we talking about actually? I guess, well, I mean. Yeah. What would be the? Do you have to penetrate the television? I guess you could rub. Maybe a friction situation. <laughs> It'd probably be easier. I guess it. Well. I don't know. I mean, guy can. Have you ever known anybody to have sex with an inanimate object? Yes, me too. <laughs> we both know. Yes, uh, we don't both know other men. I will not. I, so okay, I'm not going to shame anybody. Shame anybody but, uh, well, let me just let me just ask two questions. Yeah, and, and and if anybody listening doesn't forgive the person for their inanimate object sex. After the two qu- answers to these questions are yes, which they're probably going to be. I guess inanimate object even is like a limiting term. Like I'm thinking of one like household item in particular, but continue. Sorry. Oh, 
I knew some. Like I'm pretty. I remember like as a kid, someone had sex with a couch. Like they pushed oh, the they pushed the couch cushions in, like so that they could get to into the couch cushions, and they created their own friction. And they. Oh, oh my. Okay. Right. So once well, again, was this person a male? Yes, I assume yes. Yeah. Was this person a teenager at the time? Yeah. That's all you have to. (laughs) Teenage boys, in my experience of being one, and also knowing a lot of them as I was growing up, uh, they are hornballs. Yeah. And they will find something to stick their penis in. Yeah. A lot of of times, uh, they don't grow out of it, much like Max in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of. uh, I just I just saw a post about. uh, It's a it's a cutting edge laundry. Laundry technology, okay. where you stick your clothing in a slot in any room in your house, okay, and it vacuum sucks the clothing. Oh no! <laughs> down into you a know exactly chute. what this is going to be used for. The first comment on this Twitter post about this wonderful new product was, "I'm an ER doctor, and I'm already bummed out about this <laughs> because someone's going to stick their penis in it." <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, some people don't grow out of it, right? Were you going to uh, Were you going to tell your story or no? You want to, Would you rather just move on from this topic? Probably. I mean, no. We I mean, will because now we're. Yeah, I don't want to shame anybody. I um, can't think of like specific. I know for a fact. I know at some point. Yeah, somebody did. I know it. Yeah, I know. I've had these conversations. It happens. You gotta. So and if that's your thing, whatever. I don't know if I have had sex with an inanimate object. No, I've never. Yeah, you. But you know what? I just like. I would feel like. Uh, that's that's on me because I would feel shame if like if I and that's not a good thing I'm not saying that's a good thing yeah, like I would feel shame if I had sex with a couch like I would be like oh what did I do well and like wh- like and maybe assume, this person did but like I assume this was this person's couch they're not just going over to a friend's house and boning the couch so like you have to like now sit on the couch right like you have to witness your family members sitting on the couch after you have yeah it's too much do, it's too how do you live with yourself I think that, but I think if you are, if you are, if you are going to do that, I think you kind of just go, well, I don't care if anybody sits on it. <laughs> like, you're just kind of, you're throwing your hands in the air. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. I'll let you know if I can think of anything that I had sex with. <laughs> I, disturbed. Max returns to oblivion. Disturbed is right. <laughs> um, returns to Oblivion's homeless shelter. Bianca tells him Videodrome carries a broadcast signal that causes the viewer to develop a malignant brain tumor. Oblivion helped to create it as part of his vision for the future and viewed hallucinations as a higher form of reality, which some people do. When he found out it was to be used for malevolent purposes, he attempted to stop his partners. They used his own invention to kill him. In the year before his death, Oblivion recorded tens of thousands of videos, which now form the basis of his television appearances. So, yeah, that's when we get it. It's revealed. And then uh, Marshall McLuhan is who this is, this Oblivion fellow. He was a Canadian philosopher. He did a lot of work on um, one of the things that, and one of the things that Cronenberg touches on here is reality created by the media. Like the media you consume mm. creates your own reality. And, that is something we've seen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, and social media has made it even more uh, prevalent, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, for In sure. Terms of sculpting because people's can, realities. Yeah. Because it's not just watching the news now. It's like you can search out your own. Dude, yeah. Oh yeah. 
And, and honestly, what yeah, what's dangerous is you have hucksters and you have salespeople and you have people taking advantage of people by with this thing because that's what people want is money. Mm-hmm. They, well, yeah, they, they well, yes, and then you have you have um, unfortunately you just have like whether it's a lack of time to devote or or just laziness, you have the people who just read the headline mm-hmm. and then they they're like, well, that's the story. That's. <laughs> Here's the, yeah, I had a couple of quotes. Here's the one from the, this is from Cronenberg, the interview in that Fangoria, where he says, I started to play with the idea, he's talking about Oblivion and McLuhan, um, I started to play with the idea that media really do shape our perception of reality, and in doing so, actually change reality for us. That's part of what happens in this film. Oblivion says reality is what we perceive to be reality. There's no reality outside of that. If someone can change how you perceive reality, he has altered your reality as far as you're concerned, subjectively speaking, is what Cronenberg says. So there you go. So, yeah. Cronenberg's not a dummy, man. No, he's not. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, like that kind of stuff, that McLuhan stuff was big around that time. Um, There's another movie I remember it from. I think it's... uh, McLuhan is a, I think he has a cameo in Annie Hall, if I recall correctly, too. Oh, God, I haven't seen that in years. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the best time to revisit the old, old Annie Hall. Oh, but yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, we won't go down that path. Yeah. Um, but he, like, he brings him in and he explains it to him. He has a cameo in that movie. But so, yeah, he was big around that time. And yeah, this, but as television started to, take i mean the war you mentioned the war in vietnam that was a big thing and getting television into the living room and people sitting around and watching that thing and having their reality changed by it and kind of invaded by something that maybe they didn't want it to be invaded by oh yeah yeah the televised the televising vietnam changed a lot in terms of how people um in this country yes 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 in terms of like what we were willing changing what we were willing to let into our homes and consume and stuff. And I don't know. I'm not going to pass judgment on whether or not that's a good thing that we televised some of that stuff. I don't know. I, I wasn't around. So, right. but it changed things. It certainly yes. did. Later that night, Max hallucinates placing his handgun in a slit in his head. This is where it gets crazy. Oh, but yeah. Abdomen. He gets a chest vagina <laughs> or a tummy vagina. Yeah. Right? Yes. Let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like moving and. Yeah. We, uh, Rick Baker. It does the effects on this. And they're stellar. Rick Baker is on a roll at this point because 81 was American Werewolf. Mm -hmm. 82 was The Thing. And then this was 83. So he is is rolling here and the effects are phenomenal in this movie. Uh, They really are. And, and, you know, I think oftentimes uh, effects guys have a lot of fun with crazy surrealist shit like this. Because if you think about what was being made at the time, it was pretty. I mean, like, I'm not saying Rick Baker didn't enjoy making the the werewolves in American. Like, obviously, like, look at it. Like, he had fun doing that, mm-hmm. and probably also was very tired. Um, but um, I think with genre work, like, you know, it probably gets a little bit old and a little bit, uh, I don't know, ho hum to do a slasher movie, right? Like, okay, all right, I got to do a cleaver in the head, and then. You know, yeah, yeah. But when you get to do something like insane and weird and bizarre, like a like a tummy vagina, like yeah. that's got to be exciting. <laughs> You'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm gonna make what? Like Rick Baker was like 
thought this was the coolest. Yes. For sure. Uh, yeah, another Cronenberg quote about Rick Baker here that I have from that Vangoria. You can see it in the detail. That's the difference between great effects and just okay effects, the detailing. Rick is very obsessive and quite a perfectionist and very inventive, too. And I think you can I think you can definitely see that. So, uh, so where are we? So we're at, yeah, the Slid in the Edmund. He is contacted by Videodrome's producer, Barry Convex of Spectacular Optical Corporation, an eyeglass company. That acts as a front for an arms company. This is another uh, they live similarity, and yeah, yeah, when it comes to the eyeglasses, he uses a device to record Max's fantasies of whipping Nikki. Max then wakes up to find Masha's corpse in his bed. He frantically calls Harlan to photograph the body as evidence, but shortly after he arrives, her body is no longer anywhere to be found. So yeah, we're getting into kind of the hallucination, and we're getting into we're heading towards the end of this movie. Now. Yes, this is where it gets off the rails in terms of like. It gets it gets nutty. Like you don't know what is a, what's hallucination, what is you've got reality. Kind of, you've got kind of an unreliable narrator in Max, yes. where you're kind of. I mean, and, and it's what Cronenberg is doing. I think on purpose is you're kind of experiencing the reality of this movie through him. Yes, you don't really know if he's creating this reality or if this is actually happening. So exactly. Okay. Yep. Wanting to see the latest Videodrome broadcast, Max meets Harlan at his studio. There, Harlan reveals that he has been working with Convex with the goal of recruiting Max to their cause, to end North America's cultural decay by giving fatal brain tumors to anyone so obsessed with sex and violence that they would watch Videodrome. So yeah, a lot going on here. This is another thing um, Cronenberg is known for. Another theme is just... Those corporate overlords, we saw it in Scanners, those people that are kind of behind the scenes running things. Um, this is also, also some comment, commentary on censorship as well, where he's For sure. basically saying, like, we're going to give brain tumors to anybody who thinks this is so good. It's basically it's basically telling people, no, you're not okay to watch this. Like, you can't watch this. And then asking, like, well, can you tell people what to watch, even if it's something like this? Well, it's, that's got to be a bit of a response, too, to, um, like I was saying earlier, like the critical... Like, like because, annihilation of anything that was even remotely, like, even genre tangential. Like, like anything that was even, like, even if, like, if Craven had made music from the heart back in, like, the mid-80s, they probably would have been like, this is just disgusting. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. anything that was related or in any way, shape, or form connected to the horror genre was getting trashed before it even got a chance. Um, it was, it was schlock. It was, yeah. you know, blood and guts. And I could see that being a comment on that a little bit too, because if Cronenberg is a guy who's thinking, who considers it very possible for television and the media to shape your worldview, which he clearly does based on what's going on in Videodrome, then I think it, it's pretty uh, believable that he could see somebody letting like and i'm just using them as an example like a siskel and ebert to shape their view of what is cinema and what's trash right so there's there's a comment there too i'm not saying cronenberg saying like my films are different than that but i can see him like i think cronenberg's a horror fan like yes so like i could see him being annoyed that like well, I mean, you know. the the same things that are happening in these video drum, these movies, the se- that are just no plot, sex and violence, sure. are what the criticisms were at the time of those slasher movies, yes. which is like, there's no plot here; it's just teenagers getting murdered. Yes, and I'm not gonna lie, there is some truth to some that. Of those, some absolutely, of those, absolutely, yeah. But then, like you said, when you do that, you are lumping in stuff like Halloween, which is more than that. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, 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 and even some of those lower budget slashers of that time have more going on than I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Get credit for yeah. absolutely, or even outside of the slasher genre, like like you said, like the thing, like immediately writing off the thing as oh, it's just more gore and blood and guts, and it's ruining a, a, an American class, like you know, a classic Howard Hawks thing. Like the thing is a smart movie. Like yes. yes, there is there are gore effects and it's nasty and gnarly and stuff. But like that's like the last thing I remember from that movie. Like the most important thing in that movie, I think, is just like the the, the tension and the, like the the idea of trust and all that. It's like like. There is a a dismissal of anything from that time period, like I said, that that uh, that that is related to the horror genre, and so I think that that had to frustrate Cronenberg to a certain extent. And then there is also, I mean, there is also some. I mean, honestly, someone like me who will sit there and I'll watch a Friday the Thirteenth movie. I'll go, "This is. I know this has no plot." Of course, I just want to sit back and watch <laughs> watch good effects. Yeah, and I want to watch kill things and you know what yeah you know what i may get some sort of like sick pleasure from it but i'm also maybe that is an outlet for me in some way where i'm not going out and doing just crazy shit you're not banging a hot tub which is important (laughs) yeah you should uh that is that's like a common you know that is a common one yeah and that is not a good idea no uh i've not not from personal experience i've not done no but i've i've seen like articles about like like people having to call like the fire department to come like dismantle the hot tub, right? To save the person's penis, right? Yeah, and so yeah. Then the question: Can you imagine? <laughs> like, God. And then the question becomes: Like, hey, I don't bang hot tubs, but like, oh, I can't stop anybody else. But from should doing I tell it. somebody not? Like, like I can give them advice. Yeah. Ahead of time, like maybe don't. But like, should I be able to like? Should I should we should we give brain tumors to all the people who are considering banging a hot tub? No. Doesn't seem fair. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> uh, they'll learn their lesson their own way. <laughs> if they're willing to take the gamble, <laughs> God, <laughs> this is there's been a plenty of uh, uh, penetration talk this episode, and it feels As, it feels yeah. it no, feels right. On right. Brand. Yep. Yeah. Um, there are also a couple of things I want to touch on. Yep. Public life on television is more real than private life in the flesh. I think that's a line from the movie, or is at least yeah talked about in the movie. And I mean, you can see that in so- on social media like crazy, where people people public life on social media is more real than what they are in yeah. their own lives. Sometimes yeah. uh, there's also a little bit in here about like kind of like a digital afterlife, which isn't really touched on. I think it's kind of mentioned kind of almost in passing, but it is kind of an interesting idea that Cronenberg would play with. Yeah. It almost seems like something that he would have liked to have touched on, but he didn't have a full grasp of it either. Maybe it might've been the time. He, like he was like wanting to kind of dip his toes in the pool and I could see him doing a movie writing a story at some point where he really got to get nuts with that. Right. It, it didn't really happen. Um, right. So. Convex then inserts a brainwashing Betamax tape into Max's torso. Under Convex, Convex's influence, Max murders his colleagues at Civic TV. He later attempts to murder Bianca, who manages to stop him by showing a videotape of Nikki's murder on the Videodrome set. Bianca then reprograms Max to her father's cause. Death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh, he says. On her orders, he kills Harland and Convex. So, death, long live the new flesh is kind of what this movie is known for. That, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was the tagline, right? Seems yes, like I believe so. Yeah, this is um, we're getting very trippy here. 
I've seen, and I agree with this. His a lot of Cronenberg's ideas here have become kind of mainstream now in some ways. Sure, but that doesn't make the third act here any less like kind of like wild and crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, and um, yeah, I didn't realize this. Uh, Mick Garris did a making of of this movie. That's on. I think on the Criterion. Plus, Mick Garris. <laughs> yes, you know <laughs> the guy just. Like, was, oh, Mick Garris was warning people the other day: don't go see the thing at Fathom Events if you were planning on it. Okay. They actually. Oh, you know what? Why? Him, um, the aspect ratio is off. Oh. They're not whatever the. I'm not a technical nerd on this stuff, but he he went and saw it, and he goes, uh, "Fathom Events is not using the correct aspect ratio." So they actually corrected it because they had such a blowback from people because Mick Garris. Bless Mick Garris. <laughs> 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 now he's he's great. Yes. I love Mick Garris. Um, wanted for their murders as well as those of his colleagues, Max takes refuge on a derelict boat in the Portlands. Have you ever been on a derelict boat? <laughs> That's why I, I was, had sex with an animatronic. Did you have? Um, have you ever had sex with a with derelict, a derelict boat? boat? Fuck. <laughs> um, have I been on a derelict boat? No. Okay. No, I've been on a boat, like a regular boat. <laughs> There's that. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, maybe. I, I don't think I've ever. Would you have been? Like, here's, what is the here, definition of derelict? Like, like, just like sort of run doesn't, down. doesn't run, doesn't function. It's no. probably not fit. Because, like, well, a boat functions, but yes. Well, you know, like, you know what? I mean? Like, but yeah. I guess derelict boat would be like. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, maybe like stuff is growing in it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't get on one of those. No. Because I don't like the water enough to like risk getting on one of those, and then all of a sudden the boat starts going down. Are you a boat guy? I'm not a boat guy. Okay. Um, I've never been a boat guy. Um, I, and that's someone who's gone on cruises, but I, those don't. Those are just big What do you mean, though? Because it's tricky. That's tricky. Yeah. So, okay. So, all right. We got to do this real quick. Um, <laughs> I am a boat guy. I, I don't. I think speedboats suck. I don't want to fly through the water. It's boring to me. Yeah. I get splashed, and I like can't drink while it's running. So, you want to drink on a boat? Yeah. Okay. I want to I go. Look, here's what I want to do on a boat. This is my optimal boat experience okay just a little boat that can fit two or three people okay uh with a motor on it so i can get where i need to relatively quickly mm-hmm. i want to head out in the middle of the lake i want to throw a, ca- a fishing pole nice in the fishing. water yeah and i want to sit with a cooler open and drink beer and wait for a bite that's all sounds i want to like do a nice day that's that all i want to like do a nice day you i don't want to i don't want to sail you putting the fish back yeah okay yeah, i'm not keeping the fish um i don't want to <laughs> sail okay I don't want to fly on a speedboat or anything like that. I would eat the fish. I wouldn't want to clean the fish. That seems like the most annoying thing. I've done that. Uh, I've, 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 I've cleaned and eaten fish the same day I caught them, which was a cool experience because it was like, I did this. Right. <laughs> Look at me, hunter-gatherer. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Much like my an- I feel like my ancestors yes, now. Yeah, yes, using this, part of this, nature. this badass fishing pole that <laughs> I, yeah. But I will, um, I will stop at McDonald's on the way home as well. Get a fillet of fish. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I, I generally toss it back. I don't, I don't keep them. But um, I always, yeah. Whenever there's I just something fish. relaxing about sitting on the boat, and catching a fish, and then like se- tell, sending it back and saying, "Tell your friends." Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, this is my water now. Ab- this is, yes, I, I run this lake. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, like, I love that. I haven't done it in years. Yeah, miss it. You know, I'd like to do it again. Um, that's my optimal boat experience. I also like whitewater rafting, if that counts as any sort of boating. Okay, yeah. That which is crazy because that's a totally. I've done different. that. Yeah, I recently did that in Colorado. Whitewater is the, ba- the coolest. Yeah. If you count that as a boat, it's a raft. So, uh, you know, 
I guess it depends on your how you feel, but yeah. So I like boats. <laughs> that was a good sidetrack. Yeah. Uh, appearing to him on a television, Dickie tells him that he is weak in Videodrome, but in order to completely defeat it, he must ascend to the next level and leave the old flesh. Yes. Uh, well, that's exactly what we all want. Uh, the television then shows an image of Mac shooting himself in the head, which causes the set to explode. Reenacting what he has just seen on television, Max utters the words, long live the new flesh, and shoots himself yep. with that cool-looking flesh, flesh gun. gun. <laughs> yes. I like how we both call it flesh gun. Yes. Um, uh, that's it. What uh, a that's ride. The end of the movie. What, no, a, what ride. a ride. Uh, yep. I think this is kind of a funny movie. It's very dry, and it's humor. Like, it makes sure to linger on him wearing those stupid glasses. It's not... It's it's it is not a dour movie, despite the insanity you're seeing right. and the darkness of the ending and 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 the 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 uh, the concept of these like snuff films and how they're affecting like like it is it's kind of a f- like it's kind of funny. At it times. is kind of funny. Uh, I think all corner Max Ren is have, kind of a funny character he's too. A schlub, and it's a, he's a he's a slub. He's kind of sleazy. He's <laughs> yeah. A little, yeah, he's yeah. kind of like the perfect '80s like movie protagonist yeah, and he's kind of like a huckster too he's like a he's like a sleazy porn a little carny yeah. <laughs> yeah um and i dig that uh yeah no um i like this movie i wanted to tell you something before we for sure yeah wrap I, it up. yeah one more thing on um but tell me now no I'll, I'll no go. finish off well i wanted wanna... to uh we touched on david cronenberg's frankenstein Yes, and uh, yeah, in the interview because we're we're talking about where he's going next, yep. and he pretty much has it set now. He's moving on to Stephen King and the Dead Zone, and they ask him about Frankenstein, and I, um, which would have been yeah, and he says I talked to my producer at one point when I was in post production on Scanners, and he said, "How about David Cronenberg's Frankenstein?" I said, "Sure, great," but then I really started to consider what would be involved in doing that. I thought, "Why am I doing this? I'm fighting Frankenstein." Or he goes, "I'm fighting Frankenberry cereal. The legend has just been done so many times, and debased in so many ways. I would be fighting all of that instead of just trying to deal with the material itself. I just couldn't see any reason for doing it." So there you go. I wanted to get some closure on the idea of a David Cronenberg Frankenstein as we follow him through Fangoria in real time. <laughs> I mean, I. I see what he's saying. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I still would have liked to have seen. There's it. a passe element to Frankenstein at this point in time. I mean, in I, I, I'd argue there still is a little bit. Yeah, Frankenstein's oh. a tough nut to crack. I think. Um, I think any of those classic monsters f- are tricky, right? I think. I think there are some that work better than others. I thought they did a nice job with the Invisible Man, like kind of putting him into. Um, I think you could still do stuff with the Wolfman. I think there is still some Dracula. You've got to find a good take on it. Frankenstein. I think vampires are doable. I think Dracula's tricky. For, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because you, too many people think Va- Dracula is just hello there, hello. Right. You know, like, I don't know. It just the mummy is. You can't do a horror mummy movie anymore, right? No, that one's tough. I think creature you probably could. Creature from Black Creature Blue. is the one that's like ripe for a legit. I think you could do something with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what Guillermo did. Frankenstein, though, I, he's my. Fa- that's my favorite movie. Frankenstein and Frankenstein Monster is my. It's favorite. doable. Yeah, character. I think it's. Doable, you've just got to find a way to do it. I think maybe low budget is the way to go. Um, and I'm not sure, like we talked about last episode, I'm not sure Cronenberg didn't just do that with the fly in some ways. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, yeah. Well, and here, I, normally I would say what we need is like a, a legit, solid adapta- adaptation of the original story, but like with, with like a cool, like gothic, but like Branagh did that. Yeah. And it, to mixed I would, results. I would yeah. say mixed results. I think there's some elements of that movie that really work, but. There's others that don't so much. So what were you saying before we got? Oh out? yeah, 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 yeah. So all the new, the, the, okay. So the new hotness um, 
in video games these days, and I had this like weird thought while I was watching Videodrome, is uh, to make a game that's a big mashup of things, like Super Smash Brothers. If you're not familiar with Super Smash Brothers, it's taking characters from different properties and throwing them in one game together and having them beat each other up. Okay? I And I thought to myself as I was watching Videodrome, and I don't know why this thought popped in my head, what would be the funniest possible Smash Brothers-style video game? And my answer was David Cronenberg characters in a Smash Brothers <laughs> So like it'd be the grossest, oh, well, wettest. Oh like, my god! So like, just for example, our two first two movies you could have, yeah. You could have Daryl Rivak, uh, voiced of course by Michael Ironside, and then you could throw in um, Max Ren with his flush gun and his tummy vagina. <laughs> um, but like Marilyn Chambers from Rabid, yeah, she could poke people with her armpit stinger. Uh, you could uh, have a swarm of the brood. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a bad idea, right? No, this is a great idea. Uh, you could have Martin Sheen's crazy-ass uh, president from Dead Zone or walk-in from Dead Zone. I mean, Br- Seth Brundle from The Fly, of course. You could have dual Jeremy Renners that like tag-team their enemies <laughs> from Dead Ringers. And this is not bad. I think that we have something here. We could have James Spader driving cars into people. We'd crash. Yep. Oh, we didn't even... Oh, God. Speaking of sex with... Weird sexy stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we could have Jude Law with from Existence with this cool gun. I mean, you could do some cool stuff here. I mean, Vigo just as Vigo. Yeah, just Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> Not, yeah, yes. Could you imagine Vigo in both fighting each other from a history of supremacists versus? Oh my God, the ultimate. Don't Smash you want to play this game now? <laughs> Cronenberg Smash Brothers. What I would the title be? Uh, I'm not good with this right now. Mm-mm. Super Smash Burgers, super like Cronenberger. Fl- super, super flesh. <laughs> Smash is the new sex. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. Super. Yeah, that's good. Ooh, grab anyway, it. grab that floaty. All right. Um. So we are going to. What are we doing next? Dead Zone. That's up next. Dead right? Zone's next. Haven't seen Dead Zone in a little while. Uh, De- think... Dead Zone is a another one that is uh, weirdly relevant. Yes. Today. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think I was able to get a chance to watch it when we did. I can't remember. Oh, the king? The king? For our king bracket. Yeah, I, that I was mean, a while I've seen back. it before, but I don't think I got around to re-watching for the king bracket. Okay. So it's been a minute since I've seen Dead Zone, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I remember really liking it. Um, I'm a big Walken fan. I'm a big Sheen fan. So totally down. Um, Tom Skerritt's in it, too. Yes, Tom Skerritt's in it, and I think he's got a pretty solid role in it. I mm-hmm. think he plays um, like the lead the sheriff. cop sheriff. Yeah, yep. Um, the one who Scott Glenn played in the uh, the show. In the um, show. What show? Am I? Castle Rock. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Same character, I believe. So yeah, no, definitely excited for it. Um, to, yeah. Where is this available then? Good question. Good it's on question. HBO Max it is on with HBO subscription. Max. It is on HBO Max. Um, it's also on. I'm gonna. Look real quick. It's on just, Amazon Prime, but it says premium subscription. I'm guessing that's HBO Max. So you can either rent it on Prime or HBO Max are probably your best okay. bets. Okay. Oh, I'm playing the trailer for some reason. <laughs> I think those are your best Okay, I can bet. rent it on. Uh, yes, you can it's rent a, it. Okay. a two-buck rental on Prime. So That's there not, you go. So, not so bad. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. So there we go. Um, at HM Yearbook on Twitter, Horror Movie Yearbook on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Movie Yearbook on YouTube. We horror movie yearbook at gmail dot com for emails. That's it. We're out of here. 
Stay safe, everybody.